0: Hi friend, welcome to North City Church's podcast. We're a community that loves our neighbors in the way of Jesus. and We hope that this message or teaching empowers you to do just that in your everyday life. If you want to learn more about the ways our community is trying to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and online at northcitychurchmpls.com. Enjoy the message. Hey, podcast listener! Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We are going to try to bring to you audio recordings of our teaching nights, both in person and digital. This is our first teaching of our emotionally healthy spirituality series, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, those of you who try to turn it, tune in live, I know we were having some video issues, so uh, this might be a better way uh, to follow us through that um, and. I just want to let you know everyone's welcome all the time to our emotionally healthy spirituality in person or digital teachings just because you didn't register doesn't mean you can't learn along with us so if you're listening to this podcast and you're like ah, i didn't register for that but no there's some great insights in our discussion uh that happened last thursday so hopefully uh you enjoy this teaching on emotionally healthy spirituality Well, I'm really excited to start this journey with you. I think this has been one of the most formative uh, pieces of content and also uh, rhythms that I've uh, invested in in my life. Um, I thought I'd start off tonight with like telling a story of a season of my life. And it's kind of hard to tell this story because it isn't like a story that happened in like 20 minutes. It's a story about a season of my life, which is kind of hard to put in a narrative But um, the setting was 2015. I had just graduated from uh, seminary. And so it was a really big uh, accomplishment for me. Uh, I was two years into marriage with Christian Ann, love and life. Um, Everything externally in my life uh, looked really good. Looked like it was humming on all cylinders. uh, Had achieved a lot of... Christian milestones. (laughs) Uh, I was a pastor at a church. Um, I loved the church that I was a part of, was really proud of the ministries, uh, that were happening. I, uh, uh, was married to a wonderful woman. I, uh, had purchased my first home and duplex, but internally what was going on and Christian Ann, I think was the one who, uh, named this for me is that I went uh, through a season of what can only be thought of as depression internally. When everything externally on the outside was going great, emotionally, internally, I was reaching sort of the end of myself and couldn't figure out uh, how just not feeling like I could get out of bed in the morning, not feeling like I wanted to go to church, not feeling like I had the same energy to put the smile on my face, in with my Christian friends and project the image of having it all together was there anymore. And I share that not to say, oh, what well, was me, but to say, uh, congratulations, JD. You have experienced a very human, normal part of Christian faith. And I don't know if you listening to this to this can resonate with that sort of season where externally, it all seems like it's put together. You're doing all the right things, but internally there's something deeply wrong. And the dissonance of that is really hard to handle sometimes. And I've got to be honest that a lot of times in my life, my Christian faith hasn't given me great answers for those moments in my life on how to respond. And why I tell you that story is it's probably one of the clearer parts of my life that illustrate the need for this conversation, the need for a conversation of emotionally healthy spirituality. This conversation, this is the thesis of it. Emotional maturity and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. This is the big thesis Oh, dang. <laughs> Everybody quietly moves towards the door. But this might hit you like a ton of bricks, as it did the first time that I read it. And a lot might click for you, and you as you hear it. But one of the hard things that the Christian community needs to admit, and Pete Scazzaro and Jerry Scazzaro, who are the originators of this content, um, really they're naming a lot of things that Christian thought has been saying for a long time, but they would say that it's really important right now for Christianity to name that they, always, they haven't really been good at the integration of emotional health and spiritual health. Um, Pete Schizero even says it uh, so intentionally. He says, Christian spirituality with the integration of emotional health can be deadly to yourself and your relationship with God and the people around you. Uh, you might be saying like, well, why is he so intense about this? Like, why is this so uh, an intensive passion for him? He says it this way. When we ignore emotional components of our lives, we move through the motions of Christian disciplines, activities, and behaviors, but we're deeply rooted in behavior, behaviors and patterns from the past that continue to hinder us from an authentic life of maturity with Christ. So, uh I don't know. Yeah, I have this in here. This is an image that's on all of the resources that he puts out this image of the iceberg. I know the iceberg model has been used in a lot of different instances. But what I was feeling that June uh, 2015 was that it became increasingly hard for me on the surface of my life to maintain the image that everything was okay. And uh, the tumult of whether it was just being tired or anything, as I look at 2020, I think of it as a year, 2020, 2021, as a year where there was so many waves and chaos around it. And I don't know if you can relate with this, but a lot of the stuff that was easy to keep uh, under the surface got exposed in that. And um, his argument is that we spend much of our Christian lives just making sure that above the surface is healthy, that it looks healthy. We think subconsciously or consciously, that if everything looks all right on the surface, we're doing okay. If our church attendance is great, if we're doing all the right things, if someone can look at our lives and the the choices we make, then we have a healthy spirituality. But he wants to point us to the fact that there's something much deeper. And he says that 90% of Christian discipleship formation addresses some, that dotted line below the surface. But what's missing is the connection and integration with emotional health. Um, and contemplative practices to go a little bit deeper. So what we intend to do with this class is to uh, respect all parts of ourself. When, we're, when it says we're created in the image of God, that means every part of us, every dynamic of us should experience the love of God. That means our emotional health, social, intellectual, and physical. And what he's saying is that what's lacked often is the attention to emotional health. So before I get into that, um, what we plan to do is to, through these teachings, name some things that maybe have been neglected in our Christian faith or even downplayed um, as important parts of our spiritual journey. Uh, So uh, we want to name the reality that emotional maturity and spiritual maturity are inseparable And that is not, like I said, not possible to uh, remain or or to grow spiritually without growing emotionally. And the best way to experience this, um, just to kind of put it out there, is to incorporate practices of emotional health and practices of contemplative, uh, you might say as a category, or practices of truly being with God. Now, that's the big picture. That's what we might need to we might, uh, this uh, fall might be some opportunity to let go of some things or lay down some things, some scripts, some narratives, some beliefs about uh, Christian maturity that we have in our life so that we can take up new and different ways and perspectives of pursuing Christian maturity um, in our life. So what I want to do today, just to start to define a little bit by What we mean by emotionally healthy spirituality uh, in a way is to take a look at what it means to have emotionally unhealthy spirituality. So the next few minutes that we have together might be like sitting in a doctor's office or something like that and him just going through a list of symptoms and you going, ouch, yeah, that really hurts or ouch, oh my gosh, stop talking about things, you know. So I realized that the next few minutes we have together might be healthy because I might be naming some things that were previously unconscious. As many of you know, I had my appendix uh removed 2 weeks ago and uh that process pre going to the hospital was mostly me just just like bumming around the house going like, man, my gut kind of hurts. And I'm like, I don't really know why. And then I keep complaining to Krishnan because I don't have the enough self initiative to actually like uh, call the doctor or anything. I'm like, man, my gut still kind of really hurts. There's some <laughs> symptoms, that I, <laughs> symptoms that I'm experiencing. And Krishnan's like, why don't you talk to someone who knows about that? I uh, visit the doctor and I jump on with the doctor and he's like, you're in the age category and you're experiencing all of the symptoms of appendicitis. So why don't we solve the root cause of that? So today's going to be a little bit like my experience where I first met with a telehealth doctor online and then the next two weeks have been, well, the next several hours we're addressing the issue the underlying issue and the next few hours we're healing from that. So tonight's going to be a little bit like the telehealth doctor where I kind of say, Hey, here are the symptoms that you <laughs> can use to identify and pinpoint that there is some healing. There is some more integration with your emotional health that needs to happen with your spiritual health is, is the solution there. And then the next few weeks we have through our teacher and, And uh, um, even more so, the experience I want to invite you into with the emotionally healthy spirituality day by day, and I'll explain that in a little uh, towards the end, is uh, not only just diagnosis, but uh, education for you to start the healing process into a more emotionally healthy and uh, spiritually mature practice in your life. So... Let's dive in. I'm just going to give you all the symptoms. So please don't freak out like you're going to like surf through WebMD for the next two hours or something like that. Uh, We will go through these one by one and kind of unpack them a little bit. And as we get into these, I want you to just to notice the Holy Spirit's voice, maybe drawing you to one or two, not for the sake of uh, shaming you, but for the sake of uh, uh, kindly calling you to repentance, I would say. And repentance is just an invitation to think differently, an invitation to believe differently. So just real quick, uh, the 10 are using God to run from God, ignoring the emotions of anger, sadness, and fear, dying to the wrong things, denying the past's impact on the present, dividing life into uh, secular and sacred, doing for God instead of being with God, spiritualizing away conflict, covering over brokenness, weakness, and failure, living without limits, judging the spiritual journey of others. So if you don't feel tired or if you don't feel like your mail is written, I don't know if you have a pulse. (laughs) Um, This is really uh, a normal response to look at this list and go, oh man, there's something that gets stirred up in me and provoked. So my intention as we go through these is not to shame you. Not to say, hey, there's something really wrong with you. You should do something about that. Um, we love you. We're on this journey together, and we want to talk about hard things as a church, and we want to uh, pursue emotional uh, health for you and with each other and a spiritual maturity together. And we want to be a community that uh, can notice these things, And live into a different story, a different way of being. And I just want to off the bat start start off by saying that I feel very much like Paul in presenting this, that I feel like I should say that I am the chief among sinners as far as it goes with this list. Part of why I want to do this content selfishly is I need this. <laughs> I perpetually need this in my own spiritual journey. My spiritual journey is I've been a Christian for my whole life. I was a pastor's kid. I was in a Christian family. So some of the dysfunctions or non-emotionally healthy aspects of Christianity just inevitably have, been, have crept into my faith because I've been a part of it so long, and I think the longer that you've been a part of the Christian faith, the more susceptible, in in some ways, you are to these different pitfalls. So please see this as an invitation to healing uh, and a kind one. So let's start. Let's jump in using God to run from God. So as I said, if you've got questions about these, we can we can um, jump into them. So. Uh, This happens when I create a great deal of God activity in order to avoid difficult areas of my life that God wants me to change. Now, Christian activities are good. Like you're here doing a Christian activity thing. It's a good thing. But if that thing becomes a means of avoiding a deeper thing in your life, then it can actually become detrimental. So uh, this is probably one of the trickiest ones to identify because it's so easy to look at your life and say, look at all the Christian things that I'm doing. But again, remember back to my story, like if you go through that checklist, man, the ordinary person would say, why are you not so excited about your life? Why aren't you experiencing deep wells of spiritual goodness in your life? And the reality is that much beneath the surface, there is pain that we'd rather avoid through Christian activity then uh, having the space to pause and truly listen to how God wants us to grow. So the sad part about Christianity today is you can go through your life from doing one Christian thing to the next and never really go to a a place of emotional health and maturity that God wants you to because those can be escapes in and of themselves from going to a deeper place. Um, Pete Scazzaro has this list uh, where he says, when I find myself... Uh, having this dysfunction come up in my life, um, these things tend to be true of me. Doing God's work to satisfy me, not him. Doing things in God's name that he never asked me to do. Praying about God doing my will and not taking time to surrender and seek out God's will for my life. Demonstrating Christian behavior so significant people think well of me. Uh, (laughs) I'm totally guilty of that. Um, where it's like convenient to say, guess what I did last serving Saturday, you know, uh, focus on serving uh, certain theological points out of concern of my fears and unresolved emotional issues, rather than a concern for God's truth being revealed in my life. Use of biblical truth to judge and devalue others, uh, exaggerating of my accomplishments for God to subtly subtly compete with others, uh, that uh, (laughs) happens. My thought immediately was like, uh, that's something I had to struggle through through seminary. Like, oh, look what internship I have, that sort of thing. I'm just a broken, egotistical human being like we all are. So this stuff comes in, but this is, I'm just trying to point out how it comes out. Use of scripture to justify sinful parts of my family, experience, relationship, cultural values, national policies, political views, instead of evaluating them under the lordship of Christ. Hiding behind God talk, deflecting and spotlighting, uh, 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 deflecting the spotlight from my inner cracks and becoming defensive about my failures. So, This, for me, often looks like going to a theological discussion rather than uh, this is how this is really influencing me. This is how I really actually feel broken with this. Um, This is a constant uh, tango with my therapist who kind of like give me the look like, JD, we're talking about theology again. Why don't we talk about you? And even though they're like integrated and I really love that and I'm a thinker primarily... I have noticed in myself that the tendency is to talk about them conceptually instead of personally. And oftentimes we can involve ourselves in the most, like we can listen to the most theologically deep preachers as sort of a cover to do the actual real emotionally hard work. So that's number one. Number two, Ignoring anger, sadness, and fear, and just in general, a, a, a skepticism of strong emotions, a skepticism of emotions in your spirituality in general. I, I'm really conscious of the fact that some people, if they see the title Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, come across our uh, church's website, they'll be like, ah, why aren't we talking about deeper things? Like That's like pop psychology infesting the church. That's often sometimes a response to this conversation. An example would be, I'm rarely honest with myself and or others about the feelings and hurts and pains beneath the surface of my life because uh, for, for whatever reason, either my family context or the relational context or more uh, closer to home, the Christian context that you have spiritually grown in uh, shuns those conversations or downplays those conversations as not truly spiritual. Now I want to like double down a little bit on this because I think that there's like a train of thought that influences this symptom of emotionally unhealthy spirituality This is, I I forget what this is from, but this is the train of fact, faith, and feelings. So oftentimes the script we're told when we're facing hard emotions is that they're at the back of the train and we should not let them influence our life. We should base our life in the facts that the Bible says and trust God with those facts. And then our feelings will fix themselves. And though on the surface, we're... What do you oh, very familiar, too. Oh, very familiar? Oh, it was it was touching so close to home that it was producing <laughs> giggles. Got it, I've been there before uh, uh oh, to back up to say like uh the uh the script that we say is don't trust your feelings, focus on the facts uh in the Bible, just have faith in those facts, and then they'll fix your feelings as if your feelings are something to be fixed. And, you know, I, I can initially really intellectually subscribe to that. Like the, the truths of the Bible are so provo- profound, transformative and wonderful. And we should let those things shape our lives. Like that's, that's so true. Like that's hard to argue with. But where it becomes suspect and where it produces unhealthy spirituality in us is when we allow, uh, when we diminish the fact that part of what it means to be human is to feel. And it, it takes you two seconds to look at Jesus's life and look at the descriptions of God's emotion, sometimes in the Old Testament and the New, to realize he was no stranger to feelings. He fully embraced his feelings, let those feelings be known, so that there's no reason we shouldn't. Uh, I love this quote from Thomas Merton, when we ignore our feelings like anger, sadness, and fear, it merely deadens our humanity instead of setting us Uh, uh, of setting it free to develop richly in all our human capacities under the influence of grace. So feelings in our context, in our lives are things to be understood, not things to be afraid from, afraid of. Let's keep going. Dying to the wrong things. An example here is I tend to deny uh, to deny healthy God-given desires and pleasures of my life, such as friendship, joy, music, beauty, laughter, and nature. At the same time, I find it difficult to uh, die to my uh, self-protectionist, protectiveness, defensiveness, lack of vulnerability, and judgmentalism. So uh, there's this quote from Irenaeus, one of the church fathers, that said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. Now you might be thinking like, but what about when Jesus was like, uh, deny yourself and take up your cross and all this language about dying to yourself. And that's completely true. But I don't think there's this invitation from Jesus to die to the good things in our life. Uh, Jesus challenges us to die to the sinful parts of ourselves, the ego, pride, deceitfulness, detachments from, uh, uh, from others, arrogance, love of money, need of success, stubbornness, hypocrisy. The list goes on. There's plenty of our life that pulls us away from the life of God that we need to die to, that we need to walk away from but he never asks us to die to friendship, to joy, to art, to music, to beauty, to recreation, to rest, to rejuvenation. And you might just be saying, well, this is semantics and maybe you're not susceptible of this, but there's this narrative. I call it the must go to Africa syndrome. Like <laughs> as soon as you become a, a Christian, the if, if you're not careful, will you interpret the denying yourself as I must just completely throw out anything that comes from me and totally take on everything. Uh, the, The script of whatever the ultimate version of the Jesus follower is, I just need to drop everything and do just that. Now, I think there's wisdom in looking at other people's examples, but what we're getting at here, and this is what we'll get into next week, is there's an inherent distrust in a lot of streams of Christianity of the self. What we're going to explore is that out of distrust of the self, uh, there's been an overreaction almost to not trust the self as a way to understand God and to understand you. I have, I've come to think of this. I think that it's easier to actually do that choosing to go to Africa thing it is easier to completely take yourself out of the equation and say, I must just do whatever the standard of discipleship is that's given to me. And it's actually much harder to do the work of emotionally maturing and do the work of discerning who God has created you to be, what unique spark God has put in your soul to offer the world. Like it says in Ephesians, you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You're his masterpiece. And I think part of this, uh, the, the subtle temptation with this is to, uh, limit ourselves in a way. All right. Should we keep going here? The, The fourth one here, hang with me here. We're, we'll, we'll keep cruising. I'm going to have to speed up a little bit. I'm, I'm a bit of a talker. Denying the impact of our past on the present. I rarely consider how my family of origin and the significant people and events in my life and my past have shaped my present. Uh, this is a big one for me. I think I remember hearing echoes of 2 Corinthians five seventeen, where it says the old is gone and the new has come. I've been born again. Like there's language of that, which is... So true, but what it doesn't mean is that you magically become a different person when you choose to follow Jesus. You got to follow Jesus for a hot like three days to figure that out, right? Like you still carry yourself. Into it, and we would be so spiritually naive if we denied that our past, not even our own personal past, but generations past. I'm talking about my grandfather, my Swedish immigrant family that immigrated to the United States, has influence on how I respond to Jesus now. And I would be amiss if I did not pay attention to that. And if I was just spiritually like, no, that doesn't matter anymore, I'm a completely new person. Like, I I really respect the faith in that statement. I really respect uh, the belief that the Holy Spirit can transform an individual. And that's exactly what can happen. But that doesn't mean that we can't also be acutely aware of how our past experiences shape our present and our relationship with Jesus. So... um, Anybody seen those Geico commercials where, like, the millennials are turning into their parents? It reminds me of that, like, where they're, like, they're, like, dressed like them and they're, like, can I send an electronic email? I I just mentioned I just mentioned that or, like, the dad who's, like, uh, giving unsolicited advice to the person in the hardware store. I laugh at that because it's scary true in my own life. I'm, like, becoming my parents in a weird sort of way. And uh, that's just all to say that the same thing happens to us spiritually over time. Like we, we bring with us generations of ways of relating to God. And we, those aren't bad ways. Some of those are really good inheritances, but we need to be conscious of them and conscious of how the Holy spirit is correcting and guiding us to live differently. Uh, That sort of work is called theologically sanctification. So Uh, he says this, the work of growing in Christ, what uh, theologians call sanctification, does not mean we don't go back to, to our past to press ahead to what God has for us. It actually demands that we go back in order to break free from the unhealthy destructive patterns that prevent us from loving ourselves and others as God designed. Number five, dividing life into a secular and sacred. I actually think that North City people Uh, uh, this is less of a struggle for them. I feel like in a lot of ways, I feel like much of our community is really healthy in, and part of that is due to the fact that we're always talking about noticing what God is doing and responding. We've done a lot of healthy work about uh, faith and work, and we've done a lot of work to, maybe it's because we don't meet on Sunday morning or something like that. Like we've done a lot of work to love our neighbors and to be ever present or ever conscious of God's presence in our life. But that doesn't mean that we're susceptible to separating our Christian life from our everyday life. Um, uh, The the phrase is, I easily compartmentalize God uh, to the Christian activities while uh, usually forgetting about him when I'm working, shopping, and studying, and reacting. I don't want to dwell long here, but um, just a reminder of the iceberg. Like, as long as the Christian activities are there the rest of the iceberg doesn't needs to be off limits. This is a pretty really pointed quote from Ron Snyder, who's kind of a prophet, if you will, in the sense of like a a, a truth teller, not a future teller. He says evangelical Christians are likely to embrace li- uh, are as likely to embrace lifestyles every bit as hedonistic and materialistic, self-centered and sexually immoral as the world in general. Church members divorce their spouses often As often as secular neighbors do, statistically, according to Gallup, members uh, have domestic abuse as much as neighbors. Here's one that's hard. White evangelicals are are most likely among people groups to object to their neighbors over issues of race. And so part of that, I'm just like, that's like heavy and like cringy a little bit. But I'm just noting that that that's symptomatic of the compartmentalization that uh, Christianity has gotten into. And I also just want to note that part of that, I think, is a response to um, uh, the how easy and accessible Christianity is and how we've elevated Sunday experiences and subconsciously communicated that that's the Lord's day and going to church, getting a good experience and then continuing on with our week is American Christianity in a lot of people's eyes. Um, let's keep going here. Doing for God instead of being with God. An example is I tend to evaluate my spirituality based on how much I am doing for God. I have to admit that this is a real um, one that I need to continually pay attention to in my life. When I'm asked how am I doing spiritually, sometimes I tend towards what the spiritual activities I've done instead of how meaningful my connection is with God. The last time I've actually had a meaningful connection with God. Uh, this, uh, Can I ask a question? Yes, please. <clears throat> what, what? What's the difference? Like, what do you mean meaningful connection with God versus spiritual activities? Like, what would you say fits in one category and what fits in another category? Yeah, it's hard because they're not mutually exclusive. Like, we're certainly trying to design experiences that help you connect with God. This is hearkening uh, back to the very first one where we, like, are running from God in a lot of ways with activities from God. Um, But uh, this is maybe a helpful example. Um, When we think about, uh, when we think of many of us, I I would just say I came from a Christian context that was always like, there's always Christian work to do. Um, There's always things to be done and we ought to have an urgency about that. You, maybe you can resonate with messages like this. Doing lots of work for God is a sure sign of growing spirituality. It's all up to you, and you'll never finish while you're alive on the earth. God can't move unless you pray. You are responsible to share Christ around uh, you at all times, or people will go to hell. Thank- I took too much of our time, so it's going to be have to be a fairly quick minute. Our bus is coming in like three minutes. Okay, cool. Definitely living without limits at times. Living without limits. A lot better than I was like years ago. If you're watching online, feel free to reach out to me if you want to talk about this. Do you have a question? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Number 10, judging that spiritual journey of others. Mm -hmm. That personally gets me really going. Because I don't think anybody in this group or anywhere else in this world has the right to judge other people. Yeah.
1: uh, Yeah.
0: It's hard to be on the end, uh, the other end of that judgment. Sometimes, isn't it? it's really painful. Yeah, yeah. Cool, you guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, am I'm gonna cruise through here. Just so you know where we're headed, we're not gonna linger in this. Like, okay, I, I, I feel like you totally read my cards here. What am I gonna do about it, space? We're moving towards in the next. You know, three months that we have together uh, towards understanding more deeply what emotionally health, emotional health looks like and what a contemplative spirituality as a way to do this. I just want to show you this image real quick. This is what we're shooting for in North City. I remember in the vision Sunday talking about we're designing spaces for you to love God well, to love others well and to love your neighbors well and he would add to to have a healthy relationship with yourself and he's saying that emotional the intersection between emotional health and contemplative spirituality or do that we'll we'll do that. So, how are we going to do that? Um, we're going to have digital content in 2 weeks. Adobe's going to teach for us the next segment of this, but I really think for this to have deep like under the water, bottom of the iceberg change, I really want to invite you into Um, reading through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Now, big fail on my part. Uh, Amazon's two-day delivery uh, is going on the... Well, no, I didn't order it in time. I was a little bit slow in ordering it. So maybe it'll actually come in two days. It's looking a little bit longer. I will have it on Sunday. So if you're at Dinner Church on Sunday, I'll have the book for you, which is great because my recommendation is to do five of those daily offices a week. I'm gonna shoot a little video about daily offices and send it out for next week's curriculum um, just as an invitation to create that space in your life. And I honestly think that rhythm in your life will have the deepest uh, lasting change and we're doing it so you're reinforcing what you learn uh, the week prior in those actual daily things. So any questions about the logistics of the course or anything like that? Otherwise, it's time to go. Time to grab the kiddos and all the things. Good. Well, reach out to me. I can hang around afterwards. Uh, message me on whatever platform you're you're watching this.